appreciate that. Good singing tonight. Appreciate my Savior, for His mercy, for His grace. What a Savior He is. Amen. Words cannot describe to you just how good that He really is. Psalms chapter number 32. Let's go back to Psalms chapter number 32 tonight. Try to get through the rest of these verses of Scripture here. I think I set a world record this morning for getting us out of here. And uh, I, I was actually headed back to work today, and I looked at the time and thought my clock was wrong. I got a jump start on it this morning, and I, I said, well, that worked out pretty good. So let's see what happens tonight. We'll either do the same thing tonight, or what we didn't get done this, this morning, we'll add to tonight, okay? Psalms chapter number 32. It's not my heart to be long tonight. I just want to try to finish up these verses of Scripture here. Let's read the chapter again, and uh, then we'll give you the thought the Lord's laid on our heart. Let's stand, if you will, for the reading of the Word of God. The Bible said in Psalms 32, verse number 1, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long, for day and night. Thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Say, Law, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Say, Law, for this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about. With songs of deliverance, say, ah, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord and mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. You can be seated. Heavenly Father, pray that you'd help us now. Uh, as we endeavor to go through these verses of Scripture and try to take a look for just a few minutes, add a few uh, thoughts here concerning these verses, possibly get into chapter number 51, make a few connections there uh, between these two chapters, and then, Lord, we'll go to the house. We ask that you do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. It's working of the Holy Ghost of God in this place. Give us what we stand in need of. Give us ears to hear what thus saith the Lord. Pray, Lord, that you teach us through the Word of God tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Uh, amen and amen. All right. Concerning these verses of Scripture here, as we uh, mentioned this morning, concerning chapter number 32 and chapter number 51, understanding that these uh, chapters correlate to a time in David's life. Uh, and we talked how that Psalms chapter number uh, 51 is a penitential uh, psalm, one of uh, repentance. Psalms 32 is a psalm of instruction. Uh, concerning repentance. So we see repentance in both of these uh, chapters, but I believe that chapter number 32 is more of an instructional uh, chapter. We can glean a lot from chapter number 51, but uh, chapter number 51 has got some raw emotion in it. Uh, chapter number 51 is a, uh, it's a chapter that David is having, as he writes this, he's dealing with his, uh, his, his sin uh, his repentance, and he's raw. There's a, there's a rawness to that chapter. 
But chapter number 32, quickly, just starting in verse 1, we'll run down through here real quick and then try to pick back up in verse number 6. But this chapter here, the Bible says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. If your sin is covered uh, tonight, if you've been saved by the marvelous grace of God, how blessed you are uh, tonight. I want to say this, if you're not, you can be, and you're blessed because he found favor with mankind that he was willing to go to the cross of Calvary and bleed and die. Verse number two says, Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. It's iniquity that separated us from God. All right? Our sin separated us from God. But that, that sin is not being held our charge when we get saved by the grace of God. It got taken away, washed. It was not to be remembered anymore. Verse number three, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. We see here his health is beginning to decline. His health is suffering uh, because of the, the decay that is going on in his conscience as he is fighting back and forth within himself, trying to, uh, to hide what he had done, to keep things under the radar, if you will. Uh, but yet the guilt that laid on his life for what he had done, he couldn't shake it, couldn't get rid of it, uh, and it was wearing him out. So verse number four, for day and night thy hand was heavy upon me, my moisture is turned into the drought of summer. We understand it takes moisture to live. He was actually talking about a drying up, as if his, his uh, he was not flourishing in his life anymore. Uh, he was fading away because of the sin that had, uh, he had dealt with, he had in his life and had not dealt with. And uh, without moisture, you will die. And so he was in a state, if you will, of dying. Uh, verse number five, I acknowledge my sin unto thee and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions in the Lord and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. So we see some victory here in his life because he done what we all must do in this situation. And that is go to uh, the altar or go to the, the, the throne room, if you will. Uh, and talk to the Lord and petition the Lord and ask the Lord to forgive us for what we have done or what is in our life that's holding us out from having the peace and the tranquility that the Lord wants us to have in our life. There's enough trouble, Brother Gene, in this life. Job said, man born woman is a few days in full of troubles. There's enough troubles, enough trials, enough issues of life to keep us busy without us heaping to ourselves more trouble by not getting some things straightened out. Uh, with the Lord, all right? The difference is, is in those situations when the devil rears his ugly head, you can fight him with the Lord. But if you've got problems between you and the Lord, you're on your own. And you, as I stated this morning, you cannot, you, cannot, uh, you cannot defeat it in that manner, okay? So David's got a lot of weight uh, on him, but a lot of weight has just been lifted. Have you ever had a weight on your life, uh, weight in your life, and you go to the Lord in prayer, and you've reached the point where you have the attitude that, well, I've done all I know to do. All that's left to do is go to the Lord. And it seems like that that's our last resort. And in, in all reality, it should be our first. Uh, it should be the first thing that we do. But to have that burden lifted. Now, listen, I have come to an altar uh, or, or got in my prayer closet and prayed to the Lord about problems that I'm having in my life. And actually come out of the prayer closet or off the altar not knowing the outcome. But realizing I didn't have to know the outcome to know that I'd give it to the one that can handle the situation. To cast all my cares upon him because he cares for us. And to get up and to know that I, I couldn't give you an answer. Boy, just the freedom and, the, and the, the, the airiness and the weightlessness that was to my life. Because I knew I had put it in the hands of the one that could handle the situation. 
Uh, and time and time again, I've, I've, been, I've experienced that. My, my, my grandfather tell, would tell stories about times that the Lord had helped him. And uh, he just, and he would always use the analogy. He said, I felt like a million dollars, you know. He said, I was weighted down. I didn't know what to do. And he said, I prayed about it and talked to the Lord and cried to the Lord. And he said, I got done and I just left it with the Lord. And he said, I felt like a million dollars. He said, I just, he said, I'm just light and airy. And I didn't know nothing about that when he was telling me the stories, but I've experienced it in my life. I've come to places in my life where I've just laid it down at the altar or at the feet of Jesus and said, I can't do anything with this, Lord. You're going to have to take it up. And he said, he can do something with it. And he will do something with it. And he can help us. And I appreciate that. So all the, the weightiness and all the heaviness that's been on his life uh, that, that was taking him down and causing him literally to, to die. He was in a state of dying. His health was, was degrading to the point for the gene where he had made it all the way to his bones. But what I find interesting is it never had to be that way. Now, number one, David didn't have to do what he did. Amen? We, did, we don't have to do some of the things that we do. But I am thankful that when we, when we get to the place in life where we've done something that we shouldn't do, we can take it to the Lord and we can lay it at the Lord's feet, ask for forgiveness for it, and get up and go on and do something for the glory and honor of God and have victory over that problem. But there was a time in David's life where he just kind of hung out uh, in this in this link, in, in limbo, if you will, and it was destroying him. But David did not have to go through what he went through. He could have given it to the Lord long before he did. I'm afraid some of us uh, at times in our life have held on to things or uh, wouldn't let it go, or wouldn't give it to the Lord, and it's cost us some problems, uh, caused us some problems in our life. So understanding that the Bible said in verse number five, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, say law, we see a man who has had the burden lifted off of his life. All right. Now, verse number six, what we want to pick up here. We did not get to these verses this morning. But he, he kind of shifts gears here in Psalms 32 as he comes out of verse 5 and verse 6. He says, For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Now, I believe that he's referencing Noah and the flood. There was a time for the gene when Noah was building the ark that Noah preached. The Bible said he was a preacher of a righteousness. I believe every strike or every blow uh, of the hammer or uh, ever saw, the ever cut of the saw, whatever he was doing, I believe it caused questions to rise in people's mind. What is this crazy man doing? It's never rained upon the earth. What is this apparatus that he's building? And I believe, Brother Shane, as the years went by, and this boat began to take form, and people would actually look at it. I believe it was it was awe. It put people in awe to see it. Uh, if what I'm seeing when I went up to the Creation Museum is anything close, and I believe it is to resemble what was actually built, it, it's 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 mind blowing. And I believe when people seen this wonder, this 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 uh, this apparatus, this this boat that had been built, it put questions in their head. Now listen, people were paying good money and they'll drive hours and hours and hours, Brother Gene, to go see that all. I believe that it was such a major deal in that time, people would come from all around just to see what was going on. And I believe that Noah had an opportunity, Brother Shane, while he worked, 
to witness to folk and tell them the judgment of God is coming. Can I say to you, that's how we are to do our life and how we are to witness. As we work, Brother Gene, and as we go day by day, and as we live out our everyday life, wherever we're at, uh, to have the opportunity with people that are around us to give them the answers to the problems of this life. Say, well, preacher, do you have the answers to the problems of this life? Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. It is the name which is above all names. And you preach Jesus Christ and crucified to a lost and to a dying world. What he's saying here is that he's looking at what all's going on in his life from verse 1 to verse 5. And he's saying, for this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time that thou mayest be found. He understands that there is a time that must be considered. He understands that there's coming a day when you won't be able to pray. Can I say to you, while we can, we ought to pray. While we can, we ought to reach out to the Lord. While we can, we ought to ask for the Lord's help. He said, for this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time that thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. And so there's coming a time when our prayers are not going to matter. We're not, we're, when this is over, friend, it's over. You need to understand that. When the Lord calls me uh, home, if he calls me by the grave, it'll be over. If the Lord calls me by way of the rapture, it'll be over. I'm not going to have the opportunity to do what I could have done while I was here. He's petitioning. He's saying you ought to pray. You ought to get a hold of God while you can. Now, considering uh, this, this matter of judgment here, uh, we're, and understanding that we are talking about uh, Noah and we're talking about the ark and understanding that he was a preacher of righteousness. We do understand just by way of uh, passing here as we work down through these verses. I'm just trying to go line by line tonight if the Lord would help us to do that. Uh, that you understand judgment did finally come. Amen. Turn with me to Genesis 6 for just a moment. Let's, let's grab this real quick as we work down through here. We're not in any uh, rush to get through the chapter. We've got another uh, Wednesday night or Sunday morning or Sunday night if we need to go that route. Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 5. The Bible said, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Boy, it's great in the earth today, is it not, friend? And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It seems like everything that people's drumming up and everything people's talking about and everything people's thinking today is evil. And uh, that's all they're continually thinking about. The Bible said he repented the Lord that he had made it man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. Then the Bible said, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations and Noah walked with God. So first of all, we see that Noah found grace. There was something in Noah's life, Brother Gene, that caused the Lord uh, to, to give him an opportunity to escape the judgment that he was going to uh, be sending upon this earth. We understand that. We understand that Noah was a preacher of righteousness and Noah built an ark. And we know that Noah built an ark to the saving of his house. Now, a lot of people that have a problem with, with being saved by grace, they want to tell you when you go back, because the Bible says, so as it were in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Right? You can find that in Matthew chapter number 24. Talks about uh, The Bible talks about Noah and Lot, how it was in those days, and how it was in those days is how it's going to be when the Lord comes back 
uh, this time, right? All right, so what does that mean? Well, you start considering grace and you start plugging things into grace. People try to talk about how grace has to have works in order for there to be salvation. The Bible plainly tells me that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Why? Because the Lord seen something in Noah that he wanted to say. And Noah, we understand that God was going to pass judgment. And we understand that there was years, probably somewhere around the neighborhood, Brother Shane, of 120 years that people had the opportunity to change. But people want to say that Noah was saved because Noah worked. And had Noah not worked on the boat, Noah wouldn't have been saved. Do you know why Noah built the boat? It was a testimony to what God was going to do. And it was to the saving of his house. He built the boat for the saving of his house. They had to, they had to, they had to accept what was being offered to them. The Bible doesn't say that Noah's house found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The Bible said that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And Noah had the opportunity to get his family on the boat when the rest of the world died by the judgment of God because they followed Noah. And Noah wasn't saved because Noah built the boat. Noah's family was saved because Noah built the boat. And Noah's, no, the, the animals that come up in the ark, they were saved because Noah built the boat. And because Noah built the boat and because the animals were saved, it caused the earth to be replenished after the judgment of God had been passed. So what are you saying? I'm saying Noah's level of living was better because Noah done what God told him to do. Noah might have been saved and his family had died. And Noah might have been saved and the, the animals not put on the boat. But Noah done what God told him to do. And for 120 years, the ringing of the hammer and the singing of the saw preached, Jesus, or preached to people the judgment of God was coming. And when the time was come, and the time's still coming today, that the Lord's going to come back and get the church. And there is a time coming when the Lord's going to uh, judge this earth by fire. It will be too late, friend, at that moment. And so you got to get in the boat while you can get in the boat. And I want to say this, it was by grace. And because of grace and because of, 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 of faith, there was some works that was involved. And because of those works, those works allowed for his family to get on board. What would it have been like if the Lord had saved Noah and uh, the animals had not got on the ark and uh, his family had died? Let me tell you what it had been. It would have been a lonely, desolate place upon this earth. I'm afraid there's a lot of folk. Now listen to me. You may not appreciate this, and I'm not being mean, but I think there's a lot of folks going to have some wood, hay, and stubble burn up. And they're not going to have anything to cast at the Lord Jesus Christ. And I listen to some folks say, well, as long as I make it to heaven, it'll be. Listen, you know what we're going to do in heaven, Brother Gene? We're going to be focused on Jesus Christ. We're going to praise and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not going to be concerned about what you've done on this side of eternity. It'll be a sad thing to know that you get to look at the one who died for you for all eternity and have nothing to give to him because you did nothing while you were here. This idea of, well, I'm saved and I have a license to do whatever I want, that's not it, friend. That's not it at all. But because Noah believed God, believed God and he feared God, and he knew that when God said what he said, it was going to happen, 
There was a lot of, you realize too, there was some preaching going on, but there was a lot of hard work. And then Noah's day, Brother Jenny, wasn't a whole lot of people willing to listen to him. Don't sound a whole lot different than it does today. A lot of hard work, a lot of preaching going on, and ain't nobody wants to do no listening. Nobody wants to hear. Well, I tell you one thing, when that boat lifted up and the door shut and the Lord told Noah to come in the ark because the Lord was there waiting on him, they wanted on that boat, but they couldn't get on that boat. And so what am I saying tonight? I'm saying this. David's making it very clear in what he's saying here concerning sin. He said, you better call on the Lord while you can. Listen, you don't miss the boat tonight. Don't miss the boat. There was a call from the boat. And well, the Lord told Noah to come into the ark. And then the Lord shut him up in the ark. Noah didn't have anything to do with it. He said, for this, for this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of the great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. So understanding that we're, we're headed for the same kind of uh, judgment. That was passed upon this earth way back then. And nothing's changing. People still preaching. People still telling you that the judgment of God is coming. People still are ignoring it. People still act like they've got all the time in the world. 120 years is a long time. Brother Gene, do you remember when you was a little toe-headed boy running around? Sure you do. Those years went by pretty quick. 120 years when it's gone, it's gone. And 120 years ain't nothing in comparison to the length and the time that this world's been into existence. And it ain't nothing in the eyeballs of eternity. See, we're, we're always going to be, you need to understand that tonight. We think about living and dying, but in all reality, I'm always going to be, brother. I'm always going to be. I may lay this robe of flesh down and it may go back to the dust from whence it came, but I'm always going to be. I'm just either going to be in hell burning for eternity or I'm going to be in the portals of glory with the one that died for me, but I'm always going to be. I'll either be paying for my sin or I'll be thanking the one that did pay for my sin. It's that simple. But he's saying times of the essence here. And David understood that he'd wasted some time. David understood that he went through a time in his life when it did not have to be the way that it was. And then he warns, he warns in verse 6, For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Well, I thought about that judgment passed on Noah. I believe, Brother Shane, have you ever, you ever, you ever put in a hard week, start a job, nothing going right, and when, it, when that thing's over with, you take a sigh of relief and sit down and you thank God it's over. And I believe in my heart of hearts, I believe that Noah sat in that boat, listening to the screams of those that needed on the boat but couldn't get on the boat, and thank God that he stayed faithful all the way through the 120 years. I believe that he looked around at his wife and his, and his daughters and all, and his children. And I believe he thanked God for the grace that was given him. And I believe one of these days we're going to look back on what, what we've gone through and where we're at with the Lord and go, boy, I'm thankful for the grace of God. He said, but thou art my hiding place. You know, he was hid in the boat. He was hid in the boat. Now David's talking about here that the Lord's his hiding place. But I'm thinking about the context of verse number six, how Noah, when he got on the boat and the Lord shut him in the boat, how thankful he was to be with the Lord. You do realize that the Lord invited him into the boat. Yeah, it was the Lord's boat. It wasn't Noah's ark. We call it Noah's ark, but it was God's ark. 
And everything Noah done, he done because God told him to do. We get in a mixed up situation sometimes and think, well, it's Aaron's church or it's Aaron's message or it's Marvin's Sunday school class or it's Gene's devotion. Oh, no. Now, everything's supposed to be for the Lord. Whatsoever you do, you do it heartily as unto the Lord. And if we consider that when we do what we do, uh, it would not change the way we approach uh, what we're doing and what we're saying here. Anyway, thou art my hiding place, thou shalt preserve me from trouble, thou shalt compassion me about with songs of deliverance, say law. He's understanding what it is uh, to be delivered. He's understanding what it is to be hid for the, with the Lord. and Because David was a man that dealt with a lot of trouble. Some of which he brought on himself and some which he didn't. But he always understood what it was to be with the Lord. And how happy and what a joyous time it was to be with the Lord. Can I say to you, it seemed like every time he got into trouble, do you know what David done? He called out to the Lord. He called out to the Lord. He called out to the Lord. It was only in this instance that I find that he had a hard time calling out to the Lord. Why? Because as Gene talked about this morning, Brother Gene talked about the, the Satan this morning as a roaring lion coming around and grabbing you by the throat, sticking up behind you, knocking you to the ground and grabbing you by the throat. In this situation, he it's amazing how he couldn't see a way out. Think about that for just a moment. Seems like big trouble's coming. But Marvin, I look at the church, I think about the church and where the church is headed and a vision for the church. And then I think about my home life and I think about my finances and I think about my job. And there's many variables that come into life. And I've had big instances, times in my life when things come up that in all honesty, Brother Gene, would, would, would rock the boat or cause an average individual that wasn't where they needed to be with the Lord to really, it would really set them back. Why? Because what's fixing to happen if something don't change is major. And it's going to be negative when it happens. And so it brings worry and it brings, it brings doubts and it brings fear. And I've gone through big instances in my life where I'm like, Lord, you've got this. And I know that you've got this because of all the times that you've brought me through all these other things that I didn't see a way out, but you brought me through. And, 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 and I'm not some super spiritual saint. Don't misunderstand me. I've had moments of doubt. I've had moments of fear. But I've also had moments when the problem was so big that I knew that there wasn't anything I could do about it anyway. I might as well go on to bed and go to sleep. And it seemed like at the last minute, at the last moment, the Lord showed up in a spectacular way. You say, preacher, I don't believe that. My wife's witnessed it. My children have heard of us talk about it. It's happened on more than one occasion. David had that kind of life with the Lord. But in this instance, when he found himself in sin, something that he brought on himself, you don't hear him calling out to the Lord. It took, the, it took God sending a man down there to straighten David out. You need to understand that. David didn't do it on his own accord. Think about that now. David did not get right on his own accord. He, God sent a preacher down there to give him what he stood in need of. And I thank God for that. Listen, there's some times that the preaching is enjoyable because you can sit back there and say amen. But when you have to sit back and say, oh me, it's not as enjoyable. But I'll tell you this much, it's, it's still it's just as good. And it's still just what we need. And, and I think David, when he got down here to verse number five, see, see now you know Nathan was scared to tell him what he had to tell him. And he was careful in how he told him what he told him. And he understood what could happen to him if David come across angry with him. And I don't think that David, I, I can just envision, if you'll allow me just for a moment to envision, 
I envisioned this blank face that David made when the sudden realization came in that what was being told to him was about him. Because he knew at that moment in time he had been had and there was no way to get away from it. I just see a deer in a headlight look. And to be honest with you, I would say that it, it caused mixed emotion in David's life. When you get down to verse number five, and he said, I acknowledge my sin unto thee and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and thou forgavest me the iniquity of my sin. I guarantee you one thing, he was thankful for the man of God. He was, I bet if he could have got his arms around him, he might have scared Nathan why he was putting his arms around him. I think David would have hugged him up tight and thanked him for what had transpired. I've had people preach it to me straight, tell it to me right, and it chapped me. Let me just tell you right now. But at the same time, the Lord wrought that in my heart, done a work on the potter's wheel, if you will, molded, shaped me, made me, broke me back down, rebuilt me back up again. And I thank God for them men today. And that's what we need. We, we, we need that. And David's seeing that. David's talking about that. And David is now saying, hey, I'm in the hiding place. I'm arresting. Hey, listen to me tonight. I don't know why I'm on this. Wouldn't you like to rest tonight? Wouldn't you like to rest? You ever been so tired of, of worry and tired of fear and tired of running and tired of, of being scared and tired of being in sin and tired of uh, trying to keep from getting caught or whatever you're tired of? But isn't it wonderful when you can just hand it to the Lord and say, Lord, I've had enough. I can't take any more. It's yours. Lay it at his feet and walk away from it. I'm trusting to do with it what he will. He said, preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. So I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Now, let's think about this matter of trust, because a lot of people don't think of trust in, in regards to repentance. There was a reason why he was hanging on to this situation. He created a problem himself, and the problem he had was from his own hands, what he had done. God didn't create this problem. Now, all the other problems David had, David had because he was in the will of the Lord. This problem he has because he's not in the will of the Lord. When you're not in the will of the Lord, your first reaction is not to go to the Lord and say, help me with this problem. You cause the problem, and your natural reaction is to try to fix it. And it's always going to be wrong in how you fix it, but he's trying to fix it. But here's what he's saying here. He's saying, many sorrows shall be to the wicked. Well, he understands that what he does is wicked. I'll assure you of that. And he understands the sorrows that's related to the wickedness that he found himself in. Then he says, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. You know, sometimes, and I've talked about how it's hard to let things go because you have to own it and you have to, you have to wear it. And sometimes people know what's going on in your life. And sometimes you've got to go to some people and get some things straightened out. Sometimes you've got to go air out the problem with an individual. And, and, and it causes you to have to face things that you've been trying to run from for, for a long time. It takes trusting in the Lord to do that. Listen, I've had some times in my life where I just said, to have, say, I had to say, Lord, this is not going to be fun. And this is not going to be easy. Listen, I've had to tell people things. I've had to talk to people. I've had to go to people and talk to them about things I really wished I didn't have to talk to them about. 
And if you knew me, in all honesty, I, I'm really not a controversial person. Now, I do have the ability to get upset. But what I'm saying is I don't go out looking to, to stick my nose in people's issues because i got enough of my own. But sometimes when you have to break off in that area, and you have to move in that direction, and you know it's the right thing to do, you just have to say, Lord, I trust you. And it's hard to do that sometimes. But David's learned over the years that not only could he trust him in times of distress that was brought on to him by others, he knew that he could also trust the Lord to deal with problems that he brought on himself. You know, there's some times in my life, Brother Marvin, if I had come to you and talked to you about my problems, you probably would have looked, you had the potential of looking down on me. Brother Gene, you might have thought, what sorry individual, I can't believe me. I don't know that I could trust an individual with that information. Well, I can trust the Lord. I can go to the Lord in prayer. And I can say, Lord, you know something? I'm as sorry as I was the day you saved me. And I'll be sorry when I'm dead and gone. Laying in the ground. But Lord, I am sorry that I did what I did. And I need you to help me. And I want you to make this better. And I want you to, to do with it. Because I, I've made a mess of things, Lord. Have you ever made a mess out of anything? You ever done something in your life that you made such a complete mess out of it that you didn't know how you was going to fix it? To be honest with you, I don't think you can. Boy, the Lord can. The Lord can do things that amaze far above what we can think. And we have to trust Him. But he that trusts in the Lord, mercy shall come past him back. You know, I believe in my heart of hearts that there's a lot of people who won't get some things right with the Lord tonight because they don't trust him. You know, if you can trust him for salvation and you can trust him to help you in your problems when you're uh, in the will of the Lord, you can trust him to make things right when you mess up. I'll tell you this, you can't help what other people think. You really can't. You cannot help what other people think. But God can and even when you are scared about what other people are going to think, although what other people don't think don't amount to nothing, let me go ahead and say that. It matters what the Lord thinks about it. We don't. I don't come to church for you, and you shouldn't come to church for me. You should come to church because you love the Lord. When we start doing things for individuals, we're in trouble, although we ought to consider one another. Don't misunderstand me. We know that, that we love him and we love because we love the brethren, and I understand all that. But ultimately, if we don't do what we do for the glory and honor of God, we're in trouble. I have more respect. I ain't gonna say that. Let me. Let me. I, I am gonna say it too. I have more respect for somebody that will not do what I think they should do because they're not convinced that the Lord has taught them to do that. Than I am for somebody that rolls over and does what I tell them to do just because I said to do. Now, please don't start no trouble in the church because I said that. All right? But what, I, what I'm saying is people that are true to their convictions are people that will stay in there for the glory and honor of God. If you're not true to your convictions and you're not true to who you are in the Lord, you're destined for failure because you're doing it for the wrong reasons. We, we, we can trust Him. I, I, if I can't push anything else tonight on you, I want you to know you can trust Him. You can trust him in the storms of life that are brought on by others. You can be, you can trust him in the storms of life where he's given the devil a control and charge to do things. We see that in Job's life. 
you can trust the Lord too when you brought things on yourself that you can't fix. And if you've ever needed the Lord, you need Him right then. Because let me tell you something, you don't fix problems like David's in right here. Not only does it destroy, you know, when God anointed David king, let me say this, and I don't know why I'm here either, but when God anointed David king, he wanted David to do something. He had a job for David to do. And we find that David is withering away to nothing. And if David don't change and Nathan don't get David's attention, David's going to die. Was that God's will? Obviously not. God placed him there because he wanted to use it. There's a lot of variables that happen when we get involved and we get things in our life and we don't trust God to fix them and help them or help us. We, we, are, we are doing great damage. And Satan laughs all the way to the bank with it, friend. Realize that this, this immoral gross act that, that has happened had the potential, and, and I, 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 don't, I don't think I ever looked at it in this light either, not only affected Bathsheba's family and her husband, not only did it affect those things, not only did it affect David's child that died and passed away as, a, as an infant, but this had the potential Brother, Brother Marvin, if, if, if David hadn't got it right, how far could the devil have taken this? This would have affected, and it did affect all of Israel, but this could have affected Israel in a, in a greater sense. Their king could have died. Their king could have passed off the scene. We don't know what would have transpired had David died in this moment. Was it God's plan for David to die? No, it was God's plan for David to be king. But David's will and David's sin and David not getting it right and interjecting his own thoughts into this thing was slowly not only taking him out of the job that the Lord wanted him to do, but it was rendering him useless while he was doing it. A man that's in the state of affairs that he's in with his health and the shape that he's in right here wasn't getting a whole lot done, I'm just going to tell you. He was spending his days worrying about his personal problems and he could not worry about the problems of uh, Israel. So here's what the Bible said. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked. Well, I wish you could grab a hold of that. That, 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 that. That's a whole lot right there. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked. David is taking into consideration all the sorrow that this sin has caused. Can I say to you, and I'm not being rude or vulgar, but the pleasure wasn't worth the pain. It wasn't. And he was too ignorant to understand it. Why? Because he got caught up in his own personal desires, his own wants, and his own wishes, and he let everything else cloudy his judgment. And then what does he do? He finds himself in a predicament that's affected a lot of people, and until Nathan came and, and explained to him what he did, he was fixing to cause problems for all of Israel. you got sin in your life tonight. You've got something that you need to get straightened out with the Lord. I suggest you do it because all it's going to do is take you out. All it's going to do is take you out. This whole, this whole, let me finish this last verse. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice ye righteous. There was no gladness or joy in David's life. I don't have time to get into Psalms chapter number 51 uh, in its entirety based upon the whole chapter. I wanted to go line by line in Psalms 51, and we may start that Wednesday night. 
But considering verse number 11 of Psalms 32, should be glad in the Lord and rejoice ye righteous and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. We see here that David is in this, in this instructional psalm, give us some history to his situation and then give us some, uh, some, some things or truths to, to consider and live by in verses 6 through uh, uh, 11. And we find here that when he makes this remark, be glad in the Lord and rejoice. Do you find in verse number uh, 3 and 4 that he was glad in the Lord? Absolutely not. He was separated from the Lord. David's the one that said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Reckon he knew something about that? I believe David could remember and think about times when David needed to talk to the Lord, but the Lord wasn't around. I believe David could have used the Lord right here when he was day and night with his uh, with the hand of the Lord upon him and, and his moisture was turned into drought of summer. When his bones was waxing old and the Bible says, when I kept silence, my bone waxed old through my roaring all day long. What, what's that mean right there? When I kept silenced, or when I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all day long. How is it in this same, in this one verse, verse number three, we see that he kept silent, yet he roared. What's that mean? That means that what he was silent about was the repentance that he needed to hand or give to God or offer to God or beg God for so that he could have the fellowship and the closeness that he needed to have with the Lord. The silence isn't the, isn't, isn't the groanings that come out of his mouth. It was the, the lack of repentance in his heart towards God for the sin that was in his life. And when you keep silent from telling the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry, or I'm going to deal with this problem, or I acknowledge my sin, my sin is before you, then it'll cause roaring all the day long. And we understand roaring is an outcry of distress. Now, it says, my bones waxed old. I thought about waxing old. Waxing is a process. Yes, very slow. And so I thought about that in, in context of the scripture. He said that, he said here that my, uh, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. Day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. I thought about waxing old, how his bones waxed old. That means they grew old over time. There was a time here. David didn't go from a, from a, uh, a healthy individual to that of his bones being so brittle and, and broken down that he was suffering in this manner overnight. Do you see the effect that sin has had on this man's life? I wish tonight, we talk about sin in generic terms and we, we talk about the sin and, and what sin will do, but I mean, when you really understand what sin has done to this man, sin is robbing him, Brother Gene, of everything. Oh, he's still, he's still appointed as king. He's still living in the palace. There isn't anything in that area of life that if he needed, he couldn't get his hands on. Money was no object. But from a carnal standpoint, he's as miserable as he's ever been. Can I say to you, it's possible today to have a bank account full of money. To have everything your heart has ever desired. And people are working today to gain more that they desire more all the time. This is a generation that knows nothing about being content with such things as you have. And all the while trying to obtain more and have more and get more and be more. And be known for more. Your understanding here that, that, that 
it doesn't pay. He's miserable. He's, his health is in decline. And it did not happen overnight, but it was a period of time. Day and night. Day would roll into night, the sun would set. Then the sun would rise in the morning and his problems would still be present. You know what happens when we wait upon the Lord? We get things right. That was the joy cometh when in the morning. I thank God. There's been some days when I laid my head down with something on my heart at night when the sun went down. But when it came up in the morning, I had peace in my heart because I'd give it to the Lord. Be glad in the Lord. He's, he's telling us in this instructional psalm that we can be glad in the Lord. We should be glad in the Lord. We should rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Now, considering the correlation between this chapter and chapter number 51, let's look at Psalms 51 for just a moment quickly, and then we'll be done tonight. Bible says in Psalms chapter number 51, in verse number uh, 8, back to verse number 7, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. <clears throat> Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Now he's talking about the application of blood here, okay? And he says in verse number 8, Make me to hear joy. And gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. He understands why he's in the shape that he's in. And he's saying, make me to hear joy and gladness. Now in Psalms 32, the Bible's telling us, David's telling us to rejoice in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord. But he's saying right here in verse, chapter 51, verse number 8, make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. There's nothing in his, in his, in his mindset, there's nothing in his life that's causing him to rejoice. He's miserable. He said, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. In verse chapter 51 is where we're seeing the raw emotion of his life and what's happened here. Then he says this in, in verse number 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You know what the spirit is? It's your inner man. It's the me you don't see. And the me you don't see causes me to do what you do see. That makes sense? He says, renew a right spirit within me. So he's saying, create in me a clean heart. You know what your heart is? In this instance, what he's talking about is your mind. Not the beating muscle in your chest. Now there are times when the Bible talks about the heart in relation to the mind. We're going to see that in just a minute. That the Lord will help us here. Uh, in, in Matthew and in Mark. But what he's talking about is the mind. Your beating muscle in your chest does not think. But he says, create in me a clean heart. You know where all your problems start at in life? Right here between your ears. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You know, if you get this part of you of your straightened out, it'll help your inner man. And he's saying that I need you, I need, I need a renewing. I need a renewing. You know what we're seeing here, honestly, is a picture of restoration. That's what we're seeing here. 
And, uh, I, and, and if you'll allow me to use this as an example real quickly, I was sitting at the exit ramp out here uh, on 140, and I was getting ready. Actually, I was on, at the end of the exit ramp, and I seen an old truck. I don't know how old it was. It's a 50-something Ford. And it come by, and it was in rough shape, boy. I mean rough shape. And in the back of that window, it said for sale. And in my mind, I said, who would buy that hump of junk? And I don't know why it was. The Lord just dealt my heart and said, yeah, yeah, I could have said that about you. You know, somebody's not going to buy that truck for what it is. They're going to buy it for what it can be. And anybody that buys it is not going to probably drive that thing around for the shape that it's in right then, but for the shape that it can be. And David's saying here, I need you to renew me. I need restoration. Because see, at one time, Brother Shane, that 50 model pickup was new. It rolled off the assembly line with shiny paint and a good engine and good tires, and it was ready to go to town. But through a matter of years and a lot of hard living, that truck, it, it, it had to give up to the elements of this world. And it took a toll on that old truck. But somebody can see that old truck for what it is and the value that's in it and the age that it is and say, hey, I can do something with that. And all honesty, I can make it as good as new. David's saying, Lord, I can remember what I used to be. I can remember what you used to do with me. But Lord, I need restoration. And I can't do it, but you can. And he's saying, Lord, renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. I'd have thrown that old truck away. Some people wouldn't. He said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. You know what he's realizing? He's realizing what it is not to have the Lord helping him. He said this, and this is where I want to leave you with tonight, and then we'll, we'll be done. I don't have time to get through all the rest of this. He said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. He wanted and longed for restoration. Out of all the things that happened and the period of time that he went through, went through going from the man that he was to the shell of the man that he became, he knew that God was going to have to help him become what he used to be. Now listen, there's a lot of us tonight don't want to be what we used to be before we got saved. But when we got saved, the Bible said, any man, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. The whole all things are become new. When I got saved, but you know how to become a new creature in Christ. You know what a creature is? That which was created. Do you know that which is created must have a creator? And my creator created something new when I got born again. But there's times that have caused me to find myself in the shape David is in. And just like that old truck driving down the road, it wasn't quite what it used to be. But can I say this? The potential is still there to make it what it was. And I'm glad that somebody's seen some value in it. And he's saying, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. In Psalms 32, he's telling us to be glad and rejoice. Have joy. But in Psalms 51, he's begging God for it. And he knows what it is not to have it. So I thought about, I thought about this matter of restoration. And I just, I just considered uh, how, how we have a tendency to hang on to the sin and the troubles that's in our life 
and cause us to get in a place of stagnation. And really, truly, you know, you take a glass of water, you leave this thing out with a bottle, with the lid off of it very long, it ain't going to be worth drinking. And I believe that's what happen, happens to us. We get stagnant. We get still. We, we're not able to do what we used to do anymore. And we turn to the place where we're not usable. David's saying, Lord, I need you to renew a right spirit within me. I need a clean heart. And I need a, a right spirit. You know what you're going to have to do tonight if you want a right spirit? Just get a clean heart. You know how you get a clean heart? You're going to have to lay your sin on the altar and leave it there. Now, let me read to you um, Deuteronomy 6 and 5. And then I'm going to read a couple of verse scripture to you and then we'll be done. Deuteronomy 6 and 5. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thine soul, with all thy mind. Now Jesus here in Matthew, he's six of the, look at the words here, the way this is written in Matthew 22, uh, 37. Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thine soul, and with all thy mind. He didn't say mind, he said mind. Now Deuteronomy 6 says, Heart, soul, mind. Matthew 22 and 37 says heart, soul, mind. You know why? Because you are useless. You have no might if you've had your mind taken, if the devil has taken control of your mind. Mark 12 and 30 says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thine soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. There's one added into this one. We're missing mind in Deuteronomy 6, 5. We're missing might in Deuteronomy, Matthew 22. But when Mark chapter number 12, we get heart, soul, mind, and strength. We must have the mind if we're going to have the strength. And God's going to have to give us a new heart, a new mind, creating us a, uh, a clean heart, excuse me. We're going to have to clean it up. Now, listen, when, when I got saved by the grace of God, I was a new creature, right? A new creature. But David don't say, give me a, give me a new heart. He says, clean one I've got. You know what we need to do today? We need the one we've got cleaned up. And when we get the one we got cleaned up, Lord will renew a right spirit within us. Our inner man will be different. And when that happens, friend, the joy of our salvation will again be restored. It's a sad thing to be saved by the grace of God and not able to enjoy it. Sister, if you'll come to the piano, there's a lot of people. Let's all stand on our feet tonight. There's a lot of people tonight that are saved by the grace of God, but they're in the same miserable shape that David's in, or was in, in Psalms 32. And I want you to know it don't have to be that way. He said here in verse number six, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. He's saying, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. Do you know that's where the Lord's looking at? It's the inward part. David on the outside is trying to salvage his life and save face because of the sin. That's in his life. 
And you need to understand this while he's hiding what's going on on the inside and trying on the outside to make everything seem okay. His outside is slowly changing. And over a period of time, what's on the inside of David's life and what's in his mind and what's in his spirit is causing his outward man to perish. You know, the Bible says when sin is finished, it brings forth what? Death. I understand that sin, this world is cursed. And I understand that death is the consequences of Adam's action. I understand that death will pass upon every man. But I want you to understand the death that, that David is facing is of his own accord. And I'll say this, the sin's bringing the death, but his, his lack of willingness to deal with God about his sin is going to complete. We see Satan jumped on him, Brother Gene. Satan now is bit him by the throat. And what he's got to do is call out to a Savior to help him. All you can do tonight is trust the Lord. The same trust you put in Him for salvation is the same trust you can put in Him to take your sin, remove it from you, clean your life up, and help you be what God wants you to be. You don't have to know how it's going to end. You don't have to know how people are going to think about you. It don't matter. Because just as the sin caused the outward appearance of David to change, when you get the right spirit and the right heart, it'll show up. David got healthy. David got some vittles. David got some water. He wasn't dried out the rest of his life. He got some nourishment. He got some calories. He put some weight back on. The Lord renewed his mind and renewed his spirit. Then he renewed his health. And his countenance showed later on in life what the Lord had done with him. And if you'll just trust God tonight with the problems that you've got in your life, I assure you, that in your countenance on the outside, if you really do what, what you need to do to give it to God and ask for forgiveness, he'll make, he'll make people aware of it. People will see it. People will know. You'll always have somebody that wants to run their mouth, but you'll have that in every case. Just love the Lord and trust the Lord tonight. Wash your place. If you need to do business with God, you do business with God. This altar's open.